Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I have the privilege of having Akif Ahmed, the Managing Director of Zafire. Akif, welcome to the program. Thank you, Umar. Great to be here. So, Akif, I have it on good authority that cold calling is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Don't they? Yeah. And I think it's, it's very much, if something's uncomfortable, people will do the other things than do the thing that's uncomfortable. And the very thing that we need to do often is that uncomfortable thing. And that's what separates highly successful people in whatever endeavor from the ones that are either mediocre or just plateau at good. I agree with you. I think cold calling, which is sort of at the root of sales process, it's yes. the root of developing a pipeline of potential customers, has earned, um, you know, for reasons that are understandable, a very bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something which uh, is now a competing channel for leads with inbound lead generation. You know, yes. Properly doing marketing and promoting your brand and your company online and helping those who are interested to find you. Um, But, you know, the funny thing is, the folks who still do cold calling, um, they get a great list of potential customers. And usually they're at the top of their class in terms of sales, like they're the number one salesperson for their company. Yeah. And uh, before we started this program, I was telling you about a gentleman by the name of Steve Richard. He's the CEO of ExecVision. And he came to Baltimore to do a couple of conferences for me and asked the audience, who here is having a difficult time getting a hold of someone? And somebody from the audience said, you know, I'm trying to get a hold of this person, land an appointment. And he did a live dial on stage, landed the appointment. And the 200 people in the audience were like, you walk on water. Yeah, it was a great story. And it's really the example of what, you know, traditional sales is all about. Most people are interested in solutions that can help them grow their business, um, deepen their relationships with their employees, uh, expand the market of opportunity for their firm. But it's it's not easy to figure out um, how are those people going to get to know you right? and how are you going to get to know them. Absolutely. It's a big chasm. Now, that chasm in the last five, six, seven years has the, 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 the dominant solutions that have been developed to try and cross that, build a bridge, is, is marketing. And, um, uh, and, 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 and cold calling has kind of fallen back as a, as a primary vehicle to, to, to get to your customers. But our experience has been, my experience has been building yes. my businesses as an entrepreneur, is that if you can train someone to do the process myth- correctly and consistently, you can get in the door with so many businesses who are looking for your solution. Absolutely. And if you you could have the best solution, if you don't get at-bats, it doesn't make a difference. You don't get sales, you don't grow. So I was talking, I was doing a presentation and there was about 140 sales managers in attendance. Mm -hmm. And I put a small survey out. This is the sales process plus or minus. Getting the appointment, 
doing the presentation, handling objections, closing the deal, and then getting referrals into other businesses or deepening into the account. Where is the number one spot where your salespeople struggle? And two things uh, made first place, getting appointments and then closing the deal. And both of those things, it's not about sales technique. It's about that human equation because asking for money brings up money issues and uh, the stats on salespeople doing a sales presentation but not asking for the sale is horrendous, right? It's horrendous. And look, Omar, you and I both get calls all the time. Yes. Right? Telemarketing calls for people who want to sell you something or educate you on something. Um, and what's the first reaction you have when you get that call from some number you don't know? The first reaction. Damn, I picked up the phone. <laughs> right. And what's your second reaction? I got to hang up. Yeah, how can I get him off the phone? Right. So the person who's doing the cold calling, yep. that's a tough assignment. That's a very tough window in Absolutely. which to generate success. So what do you do? Right. Most people, when you get enough of that reaction, they just want to stop. It just and, doesn't feel and, good. And can I just say bullshit to this old <laughs> adage of, you know, Seven no's equal a sale, and you're so much closer. Intellectually, they may sound good, but emotionally, yeah. it's like bullshit. It's brutal. it's brutal. It's brutal. So you need to follow the process. You need to follow a process. You have to be committed to that, and you have to be trained how to do it. So let's talk about that. So you started, when did you start at the Corporate Executive Board? Oh, so Corporate Executive Board, um, I started there in 1996. So I heard you were a bit of a... A freak in terms of you got the process and you religiously followed it, which most salespeople won't do. Yeah. So, A, how did you decide this process worked for you? How long did it take for you to kind of go tweak it or believe in it? Yeah. And then what kept you going? Because when you started getting success, uh, a lot of people take their foot off the gas at that point. Yeah. So, it's a good question. So, so Corporate Executive Board, CEB for short, um, uh, had, had designed a sales process for business-to-business commerce yes. that was very much built on a formula, right? You have to make a certain number of calls. You have to see a certain number of prospects in your target market. Mm-hmm. And then a certain number of those will close. Yes. But you can't predict who's going to invite you in. Right. And you can't predict who's going to close. Yes. So as long as you see enough, assuming a, you know, a healthy average conversion rate, you should get a certain number of sales uh, over the period of time you're trying to close. And when I joined the sales team, when I was hired into the sales team, that's what they taught from day one. Now, you obviously have to be a very good, you know, at presenting your service or product. You have to be able to communicate effectively. You have to be able to build rapport. All that is true in terms of how do you improve your conversion of sales meetings into customers. Yes. But getting in the door was getting in the door. And unless you met enough people you were likely not going to hit your sales targets. Yes. And that formula was very real to me in the first year as a sales professional because I wasn't getting to enough appointments. Right. I wasn't a particularly good salesperson when I started. In fact, I was, some would say, quite bad. And it took me a while to learn to be effective as a communicator and effective as someone who people could you know, trust and uh, quickly connect with and... Um, uh, and, and want to do business with. But when I, as I was on that learning journey, 
my supervisors constantly emphasized, do this many meetings, do this many meetings, do this many meetings. And when I actually did, I got to my goal, even though I was an average salesperson. salesperson. I was like, it works. I was talking to, we're going to come back to uh, CEB in a minute. I was talking to somebody who's a super successful million dollar producer in financial services. And he was talking about one of the legends in the industry that when he was trained, uh, rightly or wrongly, his trainer instilled in him that you have to close one policy a day or you're going to be fired. Right. And I think he was kidding, but this guy took him seriously. And for his 17-year career, even if he had to buy another policy for one of his kids, he would close a policy a day, just keep on going. And the guy I'm talking about, uh, his wife was walking by when we were having this conversation. She said, and he's got like a number of calls he has to make. And on snow days where everybody's closed, he'll walk to the fire station because they're trapped there, and he'll go do a pitch. So anyway, come back to uh, CEB. So you truly believe that this is the process. If I follow the formula, I'll be successful. And you started working your way up the company. Talk to me about that progression. Like, what other skills did you bring in? What other insights did you get? Sure. So again, as I mentioned, I started not as a very strong sales performer. It wasn't a native set of skills. Right. I wasn't in fact, uh, you wouldn't have pegged me for that mm-hmm. through, uh, uh, when I first started working. But as I began to uh, excel, as I began to produce, as I began to hit my targets, your confidence grows. Yes. Right? That's a natural function of being a sales professional is achieving your outcomes. And as they get harder and as you are able to achieve them, uh, your confidence grows, your knowledge and understanding of what it means to be effective grows, and your ability to coach and mentor begins to develop, if you choose that. As yeah, a- so let's pause there just for a second. So who are the people that were uh, deconstructing sales meetings and mentoring you and coaching you? Like, was there anybody in particular that uh, became your rabbi to kind of shepherd you into? Sure, I had a lot of great teachers, you know, Elizabeth Keffer, Chris DeConti, Jonathan Baker. So talk Ian about Lauer. Elizabeth. Just, I don't know her, but... Give me an example of, uh, I went to this meeting and this is what she, uh, insight she gave me. Do you have one of those off the top of your head? So she was, so she was the one who uh, hired me. She was the head right. of the department. And Damn it, I'm responsible for him. But anyway, uh, please go no, on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because again, as I told you, the first couple yeah. of years were not very strong, year and a right. half. But at moments in my early career when most other people would have, you know, hung the towel. Yeah. She refused, and she saw something in my potential um, and maintained that support that eventually Akif will be an excellent salesperson. Nice. And so that rock-solid belief was quite important to me working my way through this learning journey to become a successful professional in this capacity. Because uh, when you're in sales, as you know, because yes. there's so much rejection and so much what I call one-way communication, right. where you don't get someone to call you back or respond, um, your self-doubt is ever-present. Absolutely. But if someone else trusts you, believes in believes you, believes in you, that's very important. So let's pause. I'm going to tell you a quick story, then we'll come back to this. Uh, I got roped in, uh, pun intended, by the way to do one of these rappels down a building to raise money for uh, the Kidney Foundation. And as I was on the edge of the building, and it was really scary being on the edge of the building, 
and the harnesses are attached. And I had a thought, it's like, you know, the only reason I trust these people with my life is because I trust the executive director and these people are borrowing her trust from me. And so it was like an insight. It was like, huh, isn't that interesting how we can uh, take trust from this and move it over there? And it sounds like the faith and belief that Elizabeth had in you, you got to borrow that in times of need that kept you going. Is that a true statement? That's a true statement. Nice. So how do you exemplify that when you started coaching people and mentoring people when you were there? Look, as a manager in a sales, any type of sales capacity, you have a constant source of internal conflict. Yes. One is you have to achieve certain results in a certain time frame. And two, you have to have good people to be able to do that. But those people are each on their own learning journey to become sales professionals. And you have to make judgment calls as to how much time and how much effort are you willing to give as a manager and are they willing to commit as an individual to get to that point of success? Because you both need them to work out and you can't wait forever because you still have objectives you have to hit. Right. That tension is, and, and how each sales manager makes their decision on the people who they support, work for them, they coach and mentor, is I think uh, those decisions are made based on experience. Um, so when I've hired and when I've trained, I always come in with full conviction the person can work out. Right. And what I'm looking for is not necessarily that they're going to work out immediately. What's their work ethic? What's their mindset? How committed they are to the objectives they have to achieve? And what are they willing to do to be successful? Right. Um, And when you see certain qualities that you know will be winning qualities long term, you spend more time with those individuals than with the ones where those qualities may not be exist. So let me ask you a question. Uh, As... Sometimes we see the universe as we want to see it. Sure. So you can have a sales rep that's seeing a situation in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You've got more experience and you're seeing it in a different way, but they're not altering their worldview. How do you get them to see the light? Any particular techniques or uh, is it a taser? Like what's going on here? So my experience with this is there's no substitute for constant dialogue and iteration. So it's hard to train salespeople from a distance. Yes. Right? The best place to train salespeople is side-by-side in appointments, in interactions with potential prospects, where you know, they have the space to work and interact, and they know they have backup, mm-hmm. and you have space to observe, exemplify strong performance, and give feedback immediately after the appointment is done. When it's relevant rather than months right, later. Right. So that sort of, um, what's it called? Uh, when, 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 when I train sales folks, I'll do the appointment, they'll be with me, then they'll do the appointment, I'll be with them. And that back and forth, right. that back and forth for 5, 10, 15 appointments is essential to transferring the knowledge, to transferring the experience to being able to model good performance and good behavior and for them to pick it up. Right. Um, When that works, it's beautiful. At CEB, you uh, went all the way to managing director. So how did that change things? Uh, Were you still a briefcase carrying sales guy or were you just managing the organization at that point? Yeah, at some point you become less and less a part of the direct interaction with the prospects and more and more a part 
of building and coaching a team and building and coaching a team of managers. Um, so sure, your, your, your frame changes, how you teach changes, how you coach changes, where you spend your time changes. And at that point, what you're trying to do is codify what you think are best practice mm-hmm. um, in writing. So scripts, uh, process outlines, uh, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of sort of, 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 of descriptions of what someone can do in a particular sales situation. And then you teach that. Uh, you teach that to small groups and large groups. You, uh, you role play. You practice and rehearse. And in that way, what you've been able to bring to the table as a manager gets transferred to your people. Nice. The skill set for your sales managers is different than the skill set of the people actually making the calls and doing the appointments. Sure. So when you were talking about salespeople, it was like their work ethic, their tenacity, their mindset were all critical elements. What are the elements for sales managers? Sales managers need to be strong. Um, first of all, they have to be very goal committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be able to, 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 on the one hand, coach and mentor. On the other, hold individuals and teams accountable to those results. Mm-hmm. And that includes being firm uh, on what the objectives are, being clear, uh, being able to communicate those in a way that motivates the work and the performance to achieve them. It also means being able to give honest and clear feedback. Right. And being able to assess and evaluate effectively not necessarily just in comparison to what you know how to do, but against the standard that you're trying to get your team to achieve. Um, those are hard skills to develop. They take time. Um, it's not easy to give tough feedback. It's not easy to be candid and honest. It's not also easy to know what to do after you give that feedback. Right. Right? Especially if that feedback uh, does require um, tough love. So... Managers who are new often struggle with those qualities. The job of the senior manager is to work with them to become effective in those ways. And so how did you, like with salespeople, people that had the tenacity and the drive and the work ethic, you invested in them. In managers, what were the critical things you were looking for to continue the investment of time? Because you only had a limited amount of time. Look, the, 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 the managers are effective when they carry the burden of that objective on their shoulders, the burden of the goal they have to hit. Right. It's one that they own internally. It's not one that they own because it's their job that someone else gave it to them. They feel responsible for that outcome. They feel responsible for getting to that target. They feel responsible for building the the base of, of new customers for the organization, uh, and they feel responsible for their team's performance. It's that sense of accountability. To me, that's the single most important attribute a manager can have. Once you have that, once you feel that, right. once you recognize that your own career advances because of that very visible and clear sense of accountability, um, you're on track. To, 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 to take your career in this direction. If you don't feel that, if it's someone else's problem or someone else's fault 
or there's some other reason why a sales or a contract didn't come in or a salesperson is not performing. Right. If you start blaming other things, then the manager role may not be the best one for you. So even though they may have had responsible for some of the deals going south, if you use that as an excuse, then you're giving power away. If you have to fully accept, this is my mission, whatever it takes to make that happen. That's right. Any takeaways from your experience at uh, CEB? CEB uh, was, I think, um, one of the most disciplined sales environments I've had the privilege to work in. It was the main sales environment I worked in. It's where the skills that I now bring and apply, both as an entrepreneur and as a sales professional, were honed. Right. And where I had the opportunity to practice a lot um, in terms of developing those capabilities and seeing the fruits of that effort. So I attribute today's success to that experience. And I attribute what I do today to the many mentors and leaders I had uh, over the course of that 12 and a half year career uh, in, 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 this, in, um, in the sales profession. Uh, both the ones who were early in my career and then the ones, individuals who, you know, were very central to my success uh, later on. The thing that I think is the most important takeaway uh, for me and what I apply at Zephyr is you can't substitute process. Right. You can't replace a commitment to doing things in a certain way each and every day consistently. And I think for, oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. In a lot of sales teams, one of the challenging things is getting their salespeople to follow the process. And if you don't have a process, then you can't figure out where it's broken. If people are just doing random things. Exactly. So as much as a process should be hated, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) It's the best thing ever. And as I've built my companies, what we do very early on is understand which procedures and which techniques work. Right. Um, And then once we believe this model works based on observing it, based on assessing the information and data around it, you codify it. You literally write it as a set of steps. And you then make sure that as employees come in, they learn and follow those steps to do that particular role or that particular job. In the case of cold calling and lead generation, we have a very simple formula. Um, number one, an associate, once they're trained on a script and mm-hmm. once they're trained to understand what product or service they're representing in the market, and as they have a list of prospects to call that we build on behalf of our clients or on behalf of my own companies, then they have to make at least 80 to 100 calls every single day. They have to make that number of calls. We track it every hour. We make sure those calls are done. Right. As long as they make 80 to 120 calls they will talk to 30, 40, 50 people. Within that, 10 to 15 need to be what we call decision makers or decision influencers, people who have the potential to buy that service or product. Right. From that, they should get one meeting, maybe two in a day, but one scheduled meeting and three to five what we call callbacks. Right. People who, you know, didn't have their calendar in front of them or they were too busy at that moment or there's some other reason to call them back. As long as you consistently do that, 
you will develop one to two new scheduled appointments a day. That becomes 15 to 20 to 25 appointments in a month. And as long as that is accomplished, the person doing those appointments will generate sales for the company. Yep. Right? Um, when we work with clients, when we do sales for my own businesses, we do not veer from that formula. And as a result... We are own dog food. Correct. As a result, we're growing. If you can't do it for yourself, you can't do it for others. Right. So we grow and our clients grow. So just from my point of view, because I happen to be a customer as well. So we are actually uh, one month and two days into our relationship. Uh, so it started off with a conversation about Umar, who are you? What are you trying to accomplish? Sure. And then it was uh, very much, who is your target audience? Why should they do business with you? So a very good kind of uh, interview process to really figure out what makes me different from others who are looking for, what we sell. And then from that, you guys went away. And a week later, you came back with, uh, here are the scripts that we've developed. Let's go through those, what needs tweaking. And of course, you didn't have it right because it's not your business. So we collaborated on that and got it to a place where it wasn't awful. Uh, and then you got uh, uh, somebody to to make the calls. You got them trained. So tell me about that. So how did you hire that person? And how did you train them just generally? And how did you train them for me? Great. So absolutely right. The first thing we do is we interview the, you, interviewed you or any client to develop our course calling scripts. Those are the introductory scripts. What questions can we anticipate? What the answers to those questions are? What objections can we anticipate? What the answers, what the responses to those are? The, the design of those scripts are how do you earn the right with someone you're calling for the first time who doesn't know who you are, where their first instinct is to be upset they picked up the phone, right. and then the second instinct is to hang up. How do you earn 10 seconds of time to then earn another 30 seconds of time to have enough time to be able to ask for the appointment. That's how those scripts are designed. As we're doing that, we have a second team that then takes your feedback on uh, who your target market is. So right. what kind of revenue size, employee size, industry, geography, other parameters. And we go and research and build a list of the companies that we're going to approach. And then within those companies, who are the individuals? What title, what position? Uh, are you looking to, inter to, to, to talk to, we'll find those individuals, we'll find um, contact information, and we'll develop a, a list of prospects to reach out to. While we're doing that, we then train the individual uh, who is going to be assigned to you. Uh, look, there's no, there's no magic or secret sauce to hiring a sales professional. Speak for yourself. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of challenges. So <laughs> tell us how you do that. There's no magic. It's, you interview a lot of people who are interested and you evaluate them on, I think, four or five qualities. Mm -hmm. um, for example, those qualities those would quali be? So first of all, at whatever stage of life they're in, do they exhibit a consistent goal-oriented focus? Are they, are they, is it important to them to hit an objective? Right. Independent of what it, whether they work for you or not. Does that matter to them? Number two, are they competitive? Because in sales, you need that. You need the attributes that a competitive spirit brings. Number three, uh, are they social? 
Meaning, is it is uh, do they have the qualities and ability to communicate effectively mm-hmm. uh, on the phone or in person? Have they been in environments or in, you know, university programs or in clubs or in are they active in social circles? So can they communicate? Are they competitive? And then fourth, what's their learning ability like? Having the aptitude to quickly learn something, adjust and adapt, is essential to sales success because you're constantly learning. No matter how much, how many seconds or minutes or hours you spend with someone, you have to constantly adapt what you're saying to what you're hearing. Right. That's continuous learning. Uh, so those are the qualities that we look for. When we find them, we still don't know if you're going to be successful, but right. we can hire you. Um, and when you hire you, we then have a week-long training program around the scripts and around our CRM tools and around uh, you know how we track and record information. And by the fourth day, you need to be actually practicing your script real-time with your mentor and with your supervisor. But if you do not sign off on that script in a role-play situation with by day five or six, we're likely not going to see success. Right. So we might move on from that. But as long as you do, you're on the phones. And then you have about two to three weeks to demonstrate getting from you know, one or two appointments a week to one every day. Um, so it's very methodical, and it's very much measured by daily performance against an onboarding program and then daily performance against very specific targets in terms of what you have to achieve. But those four or five qualities I mentioned, right? if you have those, your probability of success is much better than if you don't. And so you uh, got such an individual. Sure. Was he already part of the company or new to the company? Uh, the one we assigned to you? Yeah. He was already part of the company. Nice. And then how do you keep them in the right mindset? Because this is like drudgery right. to do. So are there any particular techniques you use to keep your people motivated other than dollars? Sure. Uh, so our, our business model is very, uh, uh, our internal model of how we train and, and, and manage people is very much built on continuous learning. So um, whether it's Emma or anyone else who works with us, daily coaching, weekly training sessions, um, monthly feedback and discussion of careers and opportunity and how they can progress over time, very central to the way we work. Nice. And that that culture, which is also supported by very open discussion, very candid conversation, um, uh, honest feedback in both directions from employee to manager and manager to employee, is, I think, what is an inspiring and rewarding culture for people to be a part of. Because um, it's hard work. Absolutely. As you know, sales can be one of the most lonely professions out there. Because um, you're out there on your own. When you're on the phone, it's just you and whoever you're talking to. Right. When you're in the field, it's you and that person. And very few people can relate to what you're going through. When you're only batting 25%, maybe, if you're super successful, 30%. On, in most cases, 10 15%. That means 70 to 85% of your life is failure. So if it's baseball, at least you're having fun. You're out in the sunshine, hanging out with your buddies. You don't have that. But you you're don't have that in an there. office at a cube. You're looking calling. at a phone. You're looking at a phone and a list and when a computer I- screen. So very few people can relate to whatever you go through emotionally uh, day in and day out in that experience. 
But if you create an environment, which is everyone's going through it and they can always interact and talk to each other and share Mm -hmm. and their managers, although they're holding them accountable, there's a lot of trust in that relationship because it's open and honest. You create an environment where those individuals can still thrive. Nice. They can still feel connection. They can still feel support. Very important in any sort of environment, call center environment, um, where those qualities are there. You want to absolutely avoid an environment where the competitive nature of it or the the way people interact with each other is politicized or somehow, uh, you know, uh, 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 negative. Right. It happens, and you have to really quickly stamp it out by removing people or by addressing it up front and directly. That behavior, not acceptable. As long as you protect the environment, this role, no matter how much drudgery it is, mm-hmm. Everyone knows who's in it. They're learning skills and techniques and confidence that is going to be very hard for them to learn anywhere else. Before we part company, I've met a lot of people that used to do door-to-door sales of encyclopedias, which is not done anymore, obviously. But they attribute their success, the skills I learned there, and this is that version, no matter what you do, that skill set, the ability to pick up the phone and talk to someone and get them to say yes to a meeting is is magic thanks so much for sitting down with me thank you Omar it was great to talk to you and just before we part company I must share a joke sure how do you get a salesperson to shut up give them a telephone (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode please go to iTunes and leave a five star rating And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 